blasphemy. This is madness! You're absolutely out of your mind. I think it's absurd. I think it's an abomination. I think it's a disgrace. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? You're a jackass. Embrace the madness. And this team, this team that was 7-9 a year ago, this team that had their optimist hoping for a competitive season to challenge for the NFC East title, won 13 games along the way and overcame the losses of Jason Peters, Darren Sproles, Jordan Hicks, Caleb Sturgis, Chris Marigos, and finally, Carson Wentz. Wow. No for, the first, for the first time in 13 years, the Eagles are headed for the Super Bowl and a rematch with the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 52. Mel Reese, pack your bags. We're going to Minneapolis. And all of you, the best fans in the NFL, deserve every bit of it. Has it sank in yet, Philly? Has it sank in yet that something that seemed impossible in August, that something it seemed impossible as little as a couple of weeks ago when the Eagles left the field losing to the Dallas Cowboys 7-0 and the offense looked just dead, that we sit here on January 26th and we are a little over a week to get away from watching your Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 52. Embrace this moment. Welcome, everybody, into the madness. Thank you so much for tuning in to another great episode, another tremendous episode, an episode where there is nothing to be mad about this week. We know what the bye week is between the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl for the team that earns the right to play in that game is about. It's all about the celebration. It's about enjoying. The players are back to work. But the fan base, listen, next week will be our week of nerves and anxiety and and just this, this, this will to have this game get here as fast as it can. But this week is about the celebration of a team that has taken this city by storm, that has reached mountaintops. Very few gave them a chance to do at many different ways along the road. But they're there. The Philadelphia Eagles are playing in Super Bowl 52, and I would have it no other way, no other way, than to have them playing against the evil empire the New England Patriots. Revenge should be on the menu. As always, I am your minister of madness, Rob Lange, and I am just so thrilled to be here. You know, I had I had messed around with the idea of, well, if the Eagles win and they have a bye week, maybe we'll take a bye week. But it's too exciting. It's too exciting. There's There's no bye week right now. There's no bye week right now. We have to embrace this moment together. 
And I said, you know what? Forget about taking a week off. I'm going to try and make this week all about this this past Sunday's NFC Championship, but also about what it would mean if this thing can continue on to give us what we have wanted and yearned and desired for all these years in the city of brotherly love, and that's a Super Bowl championship. I am just I am just overcome with so much excitement, and I you know. If I was going to do a show this week, and I'm going to do a show next week, I had to do everything I possibly could to make them big. And I think this week is an unbelievable show. We have two guests that, one, we've had on before, and 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 I love talking to him uh, from phillyinfluencer.com, Sean Brace, who is as into this city as anyone. He does such a great job. You know, we, we joked around the last time he was on. I was calling him my my Philadelphia guru. Uh, he's going to join the show. Uh, I had the opportunity to talk with him and a bunch of the guys over at Fourth and John uh, earlier in the week. I called into their their podcast and, and talked a little bit with those guys. And he uh, graciously said he would come on. So he'll come on about 1230. And then, you know, when we played that clip at the beginning of the show with, with Merrill Reese and Mike Quick, and they've become the voice of the Eagles – they, they broadcast the games for 94.1 WIP. YouTube does this awesome thing through Philadelphia, or the Philadelphia Eagles do this awesome thing through YouTube where they call it Merrill Cam, and they have the cam on the, on the broadcast booth as they're broadcasting games, and they release it out for us to see. Uh, well, one half of that tandem, Eagles legendary wide receiver, one of the best to ever put on the green and white of the Philadelphia Eagles, Mike Quick, at some point, Obviously, with everything going on, he is being requested up and down the airwaves and television, and he has graciously, graciously, graciously agreed to try and call in at some point during the studio time here today. Uh, so we hope to talk with him, uh, and and I'm just absolutely blown away that he would come on the podcast, and I'm really, 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 really looking forward to talking to him as well. So we're going to get the fan side. We're going to get from the team, you know, I mean, Mike, Mike is there with the team every single day. Nobody has a better heart, uh, you know, pulse of the team, excuse me, than Mike quick. So it's, let's just get to this thing, man. I, you know, I obviously I'm a season ticket holder. I, I get to go to all the games and I was there 13 years ago when they beat the Falcons to go to the Super Bowl. And at the time, I was I was 20 years old, and I had a very surreal moment being in the stadium as, as the clock was winding down. At the time that I went 13 years ago, I was 20 years old. I was in college. I was just becoming an adult to a certain extent, although I'm sure there's people in my life that would question that, that comment that I, that I just made. And I was at the game with my father and my two uncles. And I was, I was the young guy. You know, they had been in, in this game for a long time with years of, of heartbreak and, and despair. But I remember the jubilation in all of us and, and that feeling of finally we've, we've crossed this threshold. Finally, we're not going home with a loss in the NFC Championship game as that we have for the last three years. And it was, it was a very interesting feeling at the time. 
you fast forward to this past Sunday, I'm 33 now. My one uncle, who still is in on the season tickets with us, was away on business in California. My other uncle has another seat that he was sitting in. And my father, actually, the last game he went to was that NFC Championship with me. He's he's someone who likes to watch the games at home and, and gets more enjoyment out of being there with the TV and all that stuff. And I'm sitting with my three cousins, all of whom are the children of my two uncles, um, two of which are 25, one of which is 21. And here I am as the elder statesman. And, and it was this weird feeling of, where things have gone, what has happened in those 13 years, and yet this still remains a constant feeling for me of just pure jubilation and and this overwhelming emotion that brings you to tears. There's and, and I'm I mean, look, I welled up on numerous times during that game. A couple of times I couldn't talk because every time I started to bring something up. And, you know, I, I, I said this, this earlier this week with the 4th and John guys and Sean that it was really funny because my wife has consistently said to me, I find it amazing that you well up at the Philadelphia Eagles, but you didn't shed a tear when I was walking down the aisle. <laughs> and I've, I've always defended it in, in a certain way. I've always defended it and said, listen, there's a difference when you're standing up there in the aisle and you're about to marry the love of your life and, and there's so many things going through your mind. I, you know, the idea of being overwhelmed with emotion wasn't quite there. And uh, not a good enough excuse for her. My brother-in-law, I thought, gave me a really good one and said, my love affair with the Eagles goes back 30 years. Um, you know, I've known her since 2011. And although it's a very, very deep love, 11 years to 30 is a little different. It's a little different. And I always know with my wife that I'm getting the love in return, that I'm getting the emotions and the feelings and, and, the, and the happiness in return. The Eagles haven't done that. <laughs> the Eagles have probably given me more heartbreak than elation. And I think that that probably is what plays into it. So... You know, to my wife, who I love, to my kids, who I love. This is just, I, I can't really explain this feeling. But I mean, let's just, let's go back to the game. Let's just go back to Sunday. We are going to have plenty of time to talk about the Patriots, to talk about predictions, the X's and O's. What do the Eagles need to do? Short, you know, the short story for all that is I think the Eagles have beyond a good chance to win this game. I think they're the better football team. Now, with that said, when you enter the dynamics of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, sometimes it doesn't matter if you are the better overall football team because these two guys have made winning their career. So it's not a guarantee or anything like that, but I have a really good feeling at this point uh, I have a feeling as next week goes, that feeling will still be there, but the anxiety, the nervousness, the the want and the and the desire to have that parade a week from this upcoming Tuesday is just like going to be so overwhelming for me. But we have plenty of time to talk about that. I want to talk about what we witnessed on Sunday. And listen, I think we all said Nick Foles just can't hurt us. 
But I find very few people, if they are being honest with themselves, who would say that they believe that Nick Foles could dominate a game so much to win it for the Eagles. And when you look at the situation that we had, you had the number one defense in the NFL coming in. Now, I sat here last week and I said to you, they are a different defense on the road. They are a different defense outdoors. That they've given up points. That they've given up rushing yards. But that's not how it went down. Nick Foles systematically picked them apart with deep balls, with finding the right receivers. And you can't give Nick Foles credit without giving credit to the guy who calls the plays. Doug Peterson, that might have been, and I truly mean this, in the last, since the Eagles went to the Super Bowl in 2004, that might have been the most unbelievable game-planned game I have ever seen. But with Doug Peterson, he had the right call for every situation. For every situation, he had the right call. Every third down. This was the best third down defense in the league. And Doug owned them. Doug owned them. They completed 90% of their third down conversions. 90%. Look, I have been as hard of a critic on Doug Peterson as the next guy, but man, he just continues to find ways. He's calling plays he never called before. He's calling plays we haven't seen since week two. It was just a masterful performance by him and his quarterback. Listen, you know, it was funny when, you know, you watch the way the game starts and you see Minnesota go right down the field on the defense and you go, oh, here we go. You know, you did, everybody did, especially in that stadium. You kind of got a little bit, your hands, you know, started sitting on your hands a little bit. And then they come out and go three and out. But I remember in that moment of three and out, I said to my cousins who I was sitting with, I said, they see holes in this defense. Because even though it was a three and out situation, you saw them find openings. And it shouldn't have been if Nick Foles makes a little bit better pass to Trey Burton. It's not a three and out. And they probably go right down the field. But never in a million years did you see this game playing out the way it did. And it all starts on the very next drive. You knew that the Eagles could not fall behind by two scores. That would have been a recipe for disaster. And it's a third down. And what you get is two guys who are not on this roster making the biggest play that any Eagle has made as far as for the meaning of the game and all of that. Maybe since that 04 season. Maybe even longer. And what you have is Chris Long coming off the edge, forcing a rushed quick throw by Case Keenum, hitting the arm just enough. And you have Patrick Robinson, a guy that people thought would be cut back in August, making the pick, which is all good and well, but then running in a way to set up blockers so that he can go all the way back across the field 
and score the ball. And it was almost, if you look back, you didn't think of it at the time, but that was it. That was it. There was nothing else to be said. You saw Case Keenum's eyes. You saw the Minnesota Vikings go, "Uh uh-oh. And then the crowd and the offense and the defense just took over from there. Now, Eagles go get a three and out. They go right back down the field. They're up 14-7. to Minnesota starts finding a couple holes in the Eagles' defense, and they go right down the field. And you sit there and you say, find a way to hold them to three. Find a way to hold them to three, and you're okay. You knew it wasn't going to be a blowout. This game's going to go back and forth. You knew this was coming. And here we go again. A newcomer. A guy that wasn't necessarily beloved when he was drafted in April on on the Ben Franklin Parkway. But you've seen flashes from this young rookie in Derek Barnett of a guy who can rush the passer. And he blows right around the edge. And from where I was sitting, it was down my end of the field. I saw him and I said, great, we're going to get a sack. Never thought they were going to knock the ball out. And then who jumps on it but Chris Long. And before we go any further, this guy Chris Long needs to be discussed in this town. I don't know if he's going to be here more than this year, more than next year, if it's just going to be a two-year thing, whatever it might be. But if this team, if the Philadelphia Eagles finish this journey and they finish it by hoisting the Lombardi Trophy in Minnesota next week, Chris Long becomes a folklore hero in this town because the guy has not got as many steps as he probably wants, but he has done nothing but continue to make plays. Go back to the L.A. Rams game. Tight contest. Wentz is out. What's he do? Strip sack. Bam. Eagles kick the game-winning field goal, and that's it. This guy is the consummate professional. He is one of the greatest guys that the game has as far as what he does out uh, in charities and, and, and supporting the schools and all that. But he was exactly the type of guy this team needed to reach heights that no one gave them a chance to reach. He has been better than anything you could have ever asked for from a guy that was a hey-oh-by-the-way signing late in the free agent period. And it's so funny that that, that this is happening with this guy. I was... Last summer, driving for Uber, right? And I happened to pick up a young woman, and, and I'm driving her to the airport and, you know, just start up conversation, and she works for the NFL. And, you know, she works for retired players now but spent a lot of time working with uh, current players before that. And we're talking, and she's asking me what I think about the Eagles and this and that. And I said, ah, you know, I think they'll be better, you know, hopefully 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. and and totally unprovoked, she said, well, you got my boy here now. I said, oh, yeah, who's that? And she said, ah, oh, Chris Long. And I went, oh, yes, yeah. you know, I like it. He was on the Patriots last year. Guy's good veteran, good leader. He went, and she said to me, not only is he that, but he's one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet or, or, or have in this town. And, you know, I remember her saying that to me, and I was like, wow, you know, I was like, that's Pretty, pretty bold from someone who spent so much time with all the players. It, you know, I'm really interested to see this guy. And 
he has become one of my favorite players on this team. You know, it's almost similar to uh, Matt Stairs to the 2008 team, right? The big home run in the a in the NLCS. You know, you got Joe Buck saying hits one deep into the night. It almost has that feel to it, but what what this guy does in the community on top of that is just just amazing to me. Just amazing to me. So he's a guy, and, and what I want to do is while we break down the game, I want to stop and talk about certain players and certain men and certain people that have made this even possible for us to enjoy. You know, when we talk about the defense, if, if there's another guy on that defense I want to talk about, and I brought this up a few months back, the Eagles have lacked defensive leadership. And this is no disrespect to the guys who have come and gone and guys that are still on this roster. But they have lacked that true leadership and and camaraderie guy since Brian Dawkins left. This franchise took a huge hit when Brian Dawkins left. I mean, look at the look at the the videos they put out, you know, before the two playoff games of Brian Dawkins. I mean, you run through a wall for that guy. They have that in Malcolm Jenkins. If Chip Kelly ever did one damn good thing for this franchise, it was saying, no, I don't want Bird. No, I don't want um, TJ. Uh, I can't think of his name that went out to Denver. Nope, I want Jenkins. I want Malcolm Jenkins. He's the guy for this team. My God. This guy's like, did you hear the pregame speech? Do you hear him in the postgame speeches? He is it. He is the guy. Brian Dawkins said in the one video, this is the team we have been waiting for since his 04 team. And he's dead right. And it's guys like Malcolm Jenkins that make that dream a reality. This guy has been everything you can ask for for on the field and off the field, and he has just been the leader of this team. You know, and then you have the role players on this defense. Look at Brandon Graham, okay? There's no guy in this city that has been under more scrutiny since he was drafted than Brandon Graham. And and the fact is 90% of that scrutiny had nothing to do with him. It had to do with the regime that drafted him and the idea that people thought Earl Thomas was the guy. And don't get me wrong, Earl Thomas is a hell of a player. But Brandon Graham has never complained. He's he's had some moments with the fans, but he's never fully become this, I hate this city. He He has connected to this city. And he has become one of the best players on that defense. On He's one of the best players on one of the best defenses in the league. And you can now say that very easily, that they are one of the best defenses in the league. No, they don't have the strongest positioning group, say, in the secondary and the linebackers. But they, together as a unit, have been one of the best defenses in the league this year. And that whole idea of unit and team is why they are representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz or no Carson Wentz. This was the best team in the NFC all year. 
all year. Best team. And I think what happened in the city, I know what happened with me, and what I, is we, we lost sight of that because we were firm believers that Carson was the only reason for the success. And albeit he was a huge part of the success, this was a team. And that's because of the players on it and the coaching staff that directs it. You know, someone said to me the other day, and it's dead on, you have three, maybe four head coaches on this staff. You have Doug. You have Frank Reich, who could very well get a job at some point. You have Jim Schwartz, whose name was flying around this year, but it looks like he's staying put. And then you have that wild card of John D. Filippo, who, you know, was thought to have been the guy that might go to Arizona, might go to Chicago. Instead, they went other ways. And it looks like they're all intact for another year. But when you have four guys that command leadership like that and, and command your attention like that and do it in a way that the players of 2017 and 2018 respect, well, the sky's the limit, no matter if your quarterback goes down. And as Merrill said, Wentz, Peters, Hicks, Sproles. I mean, he even lost Lane Johnson for a game or two. Fletcher Cox sat out a game or two. And they still won 13 games during the regular season. They still won 15 games now, including the playoffs. I mean, what else do you want? And we so we've talked about some of the players. We we've talked a little bit about Doug, and and we could go on and on about Doug because what he's done is not only brought this team together, but you know the amount of doubt that he faced. And I'm not being a hypocrite because I was one of the ones who doubted him. There's no doubt about that. I was doubting him as early as as um, recent as two weeks ago. I said he was my biggest worry going into the Atlanta game. And all we did was they may not have scored points, but if you watch that game, they just controlled the clock. Eight-minute drive here, nine-minute drive here, field goal, field goal, whatever, but they controlled the clock. This guy is a very good coach, and he has a very good chance to win a Super Bowl in only his second year with the Eagles. And where that's an amazing feat for any second-year coach, to do it in Philadelphia where there has been no Super Bowls, where there hasn't been a championship since 1960. That's just incredible. So let's get back to the game. It's it's 14-7 Eagles. Big turnover. I believe at this point there's four or five minutes left in the half. So you're thinking, hey, you know, take a nice little drive. Go down the field, maybe get three, maybe get six. Whatever it is, you know, you go up two scores. It's a beautiful thing, right? So they're moving the ball to get close to the 50-yard line. And the play of the game took place. And really, the play that I think deflated the Minnesota Vikings. And you look at the play again, and there's so many people that did their job on this play. And obviously, I'm talking about the 54-yard touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey at a time where... People didn't think Nick Foles could throw a deep ball. People didn't think Nick Foles could throw under pressure. Well, the pocket is collapsing around him. And 
he steps up, but the, the, the before he even steps up, Everson Griffin, right? This is the guy we were all worried about. Oh, my God, how's Vitae going to handle him? Well, I'll tell you how the hell he handles him. He makes it so that you never hear Everson's Griffin, Everson Griffin's name all night. He shut him down. You want to talk about a big step in the right direction for Big V? A big growth spurt, shall we say, to show you he can play in this league? He just shut down one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And on this play, and you see plays like this in the NFL all the time where a guy pushes his blocker right back into the quarterback, and the blocker tends at that point just say, oh, forget it. He keeps fighting, and what does he do? As Nick Foles steps up, he kind of just throws him a little bit to the back to where Nick Foles was and throws him out of the way. And it gives Nick Foles that extra second to step up and just fire to what is a wide-open Alshon Jeffrey because the Vikings, as they got caught many times in this game, were looking in the backfield and thought the play was over. And there it is. It's 21-7. to And you're just looking, and it's funny, and hopefully if Mike could call in, I want to talk about this. When you look at him on the Merrill cam, he kind of just throws his hands up like, how the heck did that just happen? But, you know, Nick Foles has to get credit for stepping up, for being patient, for keeping his eyes downfield. The offensive line, who was incredible all game, was incredible on that play. Every single one of them held their blocks as long as they had to hold the blocks. And then Alshon Jeffrey makes a great double move and gets open. And, you know, you heard he was a Vikings killer. Well, damn it, he killed the Vikings on Sunday. Two big touchdowns, four or five catches. You know, what a a performance for him in an NFC championship. And as he was caught saying by NFL Films, that's why we came here. This is why we came here. It just fires you up. Like, I'm just so excited. Like, I want to just run through the studio right now. Then the Eagles get the ball back with about what was it, 45 seconds left, 54 seconds left, something like that. And I'm yelling Neil the ball. Many fans are yelling Neil the ball. Oh, we're idiots. Doug knows better. Doug said, I got him on their heels. I'm going to keep him on their heels. And this is where, now maybe they've tried to run it, but it hasn't been successful. But the out and up that they run the Ertz on this drive, they did that in week two in Kansas City. And if you remember, it was the play towards the end of the half where they throw it up. It actually goes off a Chiefs helmet. Ertz catches it, gets him in the field goal range, and then the newly acquired Jake Elliott misses the field goal. <laughs> He's come a little bit of a way, huh? And the, he goes back to these plays, and he just puts him right in position to kick a field goal. And it was like, you, you know, you look at the Jacksonville game. They got the ball up against the Patriots and kneeled on it, and they had more time. They were playing scared. They were playing not to lose. Doug, as he has done all season, as he's done all season, was playing to win the game, to quote the great Herm Edwards. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. And they get the field goal, and now they're up 24-7, and they get the ball to start the second half. And you're just sitting there going, what is happening? I mean, that was was the thought process at halftime. What is is happening. And we all know what happens from there. They come out, the flea flicker, Torrey Smith, right, mister? I can't catch the ball, Torrey Smith. Unbelievable catch. They hold, and they go down a nice seven, eight-minute drive to take them into the fourth quarter, score another touchdown, and then you you spent 13 minutes in just party mode. Dog masks. 
uh, chance. We want Brady doing the skull clap. 60,000 strong doing the skull clap. And we're going to talk about that at some point tonight, today. We're going to talk about a fan base who prides themselves on being the nice, quiet fan base who's just passionate about their team and loves their team and hopes for a good game. And granted, as I always say, there are many people like that. The people that sat around me were like that. Very gracious, very good fans. But let's talk about that fan base. Let's talk about the whole idea of going to the Rocky statue and going to the art museum steps and dressing the Rocky statue in Vikings gear and doing your skull clap on the right. Hey, that's fun. Good job. But understand that when you do that, when you go after two things that are very important to the fan base of Philadelphia and you denigrate them (laughs) by doing your city's things, and don't get me wrong, it's a move we would probably do too. It's a move we would probably do too. I'm not saying it's not. But when you do that, you better be ready to back it up. And when your team doesn't do well, you better be ready to hear it from the fans. Now, there were quite a few fans in Philadelphia who were ignorant, who were abusive, who were over the top. No doubt about it. But as I have said numerous times, as I will continue to say, as I will continue to use this platform to defend, stop stereotyping the entire fan base because of the actions of a few. Because your fan base has them too. Every fan base has them. But the overall fan base of the Eagles is not that. The overall fan base of the Eagles are the people who are donating to Mike Zimmer's charity as an apology for the behavior of a few idiots. The fan base is the young kids that love the Eagles that you see the videos of them watching the game at home. The fan base is the people around me who were offering to take pictures of Vikings fans so they can bring them home after being there. And shaking their hands and saying, thank you for coming. Yeah, there's some heckling. Yeah, there's some words being thrown. But guess what? I've been to 15 different stadiums. I've been to your old stadium, Minnesota. And I was heckled. I wasn't heckled in this way of, oh my God, how how can I deal with this? That there were people, there was a guy who tried to intimidate me and stare me down and yell in my face. In Minnesota. And actually, I believe videos surface of Saints fans being heckled and abused and ridiculed just the week prior. Now, I'm not going to call your whole fan base that because that's ridiculous. But what I am going to say is I am very surprised at how soft your fan base is. The complaints, the news coverage, saying it's the most classless place you've ever been. Take your loss, go back home, and watch the Eagles in the Super Bowl. 
and now you hear some of these Airbnbs and some of these, uh, um, you know, places that bring people in when they're from out of town are canceling Eagles visits, Eagles fans visits. Come on, guys. Come on. Get over it. You lost. This is one of the worst things I've ever seen from a team that lost. Listen, you talked a lot of trash for a week. You were going to skull clap all over Lincoln Financial Field. You were going to run us out of our own stadium. Well, you didn't run us out of our own stadium. But right now, I want to bring in, as I said to him in the beginning of the season, I gave him the nickname the Philadelphia Guru. (laughs) And I'm going to say it again. My man from over PhillyInfluencer.com, Sean Brace. Sean, how you doing today, man? What's happening, brother? We are talking about a Super Bowl game featuring the Eagles. It doesn't get any better than that, man. Sean, I, you know, when we when we talked at the beginning of the year, I think both of us were like, well, you know, this is a good team. I think you want them to be competitive, maybe 9-7, and seven, maybe 10-6. and six. In your wildest dreams, do you think we'd be sitting here the week before the Super Bowl talking about them being in the game? No. I mean, <laughs> uh, like I said, you know, this team, this team won 15 games this year when we talked at the beginning of the season. I was at the best-case scenario, nine wins. I never said ten. You know, the question was asked uh, at the beginning of the season was, if you had to pick, make the playoffs or miss the playoffs by a game, I would. I said miss the playoffs. I just didn't see the whole team. I felt like Carson Wentz was good enough. Don't get me wrong there. I just didn't see the defense stepping up. I didn't see the offensive line doing what they've been doing, the run game. Doug Peterson as a coach stepping up this year, uh, you know, and it's just been the perfect storm. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, I love the Eagles in this game. Uh, this is a outstanding football team for them to run 38 unanswered points against the Vikings in an NFC Championship game, the number one defense. That tells you everything that you need to know. This is one of the hottest teams right now rolling into a Super Bowl, that's for sure. Well, you said we, we weren't sure what this team was going to be like as it was constructed in September. Well, now we're no Wentz, no Peters, no Sproles, no Hicks. The list just goes on and on. And you, you said it. This is a great team. And I think we've lost, we, we lost sight of that at some point, that it wasn't as great as Carson Wentz was. It wasn't all about him. And I think that has to go to Doug Peterson. And, and how do you think he's been able to keep this group together through all these in, injuries and all this adversity? It's a good question. You know, I, I definitely look at uh, what he's saying, what's his message, and he's definitely a player's coach. The guys are liking him. Obviously, winning cures everything. But, uh, you know, you lose your, your Hall of Fame left tackle, and that's enough to, to, to really just destroy all momentum that you have going uh, as far as the offense is concerned. I mean, we know what Jason Peters was to this offense. We know what type of mess, what type of uh, guy he is inside the locker room. And that's one thing. And, and even Jordan Hicks, look, you know, he's been dealing with injuries. The Eagles have played games without him. But then you lose Carson Wentz. And it's just it's mind-boggling for them to be able to lose Jason Peters and Carson Wentz, not lose a game. And, again, I don't care about that Cowboys game. That game doesn't mean anything to me at the end of the season. This team went undefeated at home. This team uh, it hasn't lost a game since Nick Foles has stepped in. And, yeah, you got to give a ton of credit to Doug Peterson. It's play calling has really been the difference for me. He simplified the offense for Nick Foles, sees what he's able to do well, and with the RPOs, I know it's a throwback to Chip Kelly's offense, which is the truth, but bottom line is the, the, the running back situation, putting Corey Clement, a guy that wasn't even drafted in there, and he's getting big yards and big games. 
Doug Peterson is on a roll right now. So to answer your question, I have no idea what he is saying, <laughs> but whatever he's saying, I hope he continues to say it because it's been work. Yeah, and, and that game plan against Minnesota is one of the best I've seen in this town in, in a very, very, very long time. And, you know, obviously over the last couple of weeks, we, we the stories have been out there, the underdog mentality, and and they have really embraced it. And and some people thought, well, is it, are they overdoing it? Or but they're not. This 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 is carrying. They love the idea that no one thinks they can do it. Yeah, and uh, so do I because I've been cashing in these past two games. I did not feel that the Falcons should have been favored. I I mean I I heard everyone saying, oh, they just went out to L. A. and beat L. A. and blah 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 blah. And, I just said, I'm not buying it. And uh, look, bottom line is the Eagles were able to pull it out 15-10. to 10, So I guess you could say Vegas was wrong there. Uh, and then the same thing with the Vikings game. I just said, you know, it's just so disrespectful for you to sit there and say that this is a one seed and that maybe we don't know anything about Nick Foles as far as Vegas' perspective is concerned. And then that's why we're going to make the Vikings the favorite, the road favorite. It's just, it's just laughable. And I said, okay, show me. Prove it. Let's see it. Because the Eagles... With that crowd, with, with with Doug Peterson at the helm, him making the play calls, you know, the, there's still Zach Ertz, there's still still Nelson Aguilar, there's still Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Jay Ajayi, who's had four bye weeks the whole season. So he was rested and ready to go. <laughs> Prove it. Let me see it. And so I took the Eagles both home games and cashed in, and I love the fact that I'm catching points again in the Super Bowl. Like I said, this team is rolling right now. <laughs> Fifteen wins. You don't do that unless you're a complete team. Absolutely. We're talking with Sean Brace from PhillyInfluencer.com. Sean, you know, you mentioned the fan base. Were you, were you in the building on Sunday? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, so, so you were Probably there. Pick that ball up. I, at the moment, I will remember with me for, forever. I can't believe how loud it was. It, when I, and that's what I'm going to talk about. I, I was there 13 years ago. I said it was so weird to be there when I was 20 years old and I was the young guy. And then this year, I was 33, and I had all my younger cousins with me. It was such a weird feeling, but... That pick six, and, and the stadium literally shakes. I mean, just talk about this fan base and, and, and what, what they do to opposing teams when they come in here. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, you know, and uh, we went through a tough stretch in the Andy, year, Andy Reid years, the final couple seasons where you know, it was a little lackluster, a little missing something. And I, I've been going to the games for, for, you know, I try not to miss a home game, try to get down there as much as possible in these last seven, eight years. And, um, you know, it, it was tough. It was tough. But if you give this this fan base, you know, football that matters in December, I mean, it's just a different – it just reaches a different level. And you saw that. And, and it felt like, you know what, teams underdogs, well, we got to do our job as well in the stadium. And I know – I still have no idea why Mike Silsky wrote that article that the home field advantage doesn't matter. It, it, was, it, was, it made no sense to me. It was completely untrue. Uh, and, and that showed you, that Falcons game, where Matt Ryan, you know, this guy has been through it. He went through it all last season, played in big-time spots. He couldn't even call game, uh, uh, plays at the line of scrimmage. And you knew Case Keenum was in trouble. He hasn't been through it. You know, so you knew he was going to struggle with it. That was the loudest I've ever heard a sporting event in my life last weekend. And the Eagles fans knew they had to bring it, and they stepped up to the plate, that's for sure. Yeah, and you know, the, the difference of feeling between 04 and 3, I said in 04, when, when you knew the game was over, you had this sense of finally, because you were on the end of four straight where you had lost three in a row and you just wanted to get over the hump. This year, it just came so much out of nowhere. I think that that's where the, the emotion and the yelling. And I was uh, I got on the uh, podcast with you guys at 4th and John 
uh, this past week, and I talked about you know the well your eyes welling up and how my wife threw out there at me that uh, I, <laughs> that I didn't well up when she came down the aisle, but I well. But this, but you 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 can't help it. You can't. You don't. You don't have a soul if you're not welling up when this kind of thing happens. No, it, it was great. Like you said, to the point that the the old four championship game came down to the end, and you finally knew, and you know, and then you could relax a little bit. But this was over, and yeah. you now if you really want to be honest, this was over at halftime, and you know, it was the flea flicker was when I started putting the tweets out, like, "Oh my goodness, we're going to the Super Bowl." <laughs> but this was over at half when they got the touchdown and then the field goal before half. You knew Minnesota wasn't going to recover from that, and. Eagles didn't allow them to, and they stepped on their neck with that flea flicker call. Nick Foles says he's never thrown a flea flicker before in his life. Doug dials it up in the biggest game possible. Corey makes the catch. Uh, again, against the number one defense. I just can't say that enough. The Eagles shoved the Vikings down, and I fully expect them to do the same thing on Super Bowl Sunday. I really do. And let's not confuse things here. The Patriots, they started off slow out the gate, but they have a really good defense. That's a top-five defense. A lot of people don't believe that, but check the stats. They finished strong this season. They're a good team, but I'm telling you, I just feel like this Eagles team is ready for the challenge. Yeah, I think since week five, they're the number five scoring defense in the league, so you're right about that. Sean, we talked about how great our fan base was, and, and, you know, I I guess I don't want to pour salt in the wound, but I will just because of how soft they have been this week. Can you Have you ever seen a fan base like Minnesota react the way they are reacting this week to the loss? It's odd. Odd. And you mentioned Fort and John, and I got to give props to Iraq because he's right about this. You know, look, um, 100%. If you threw a bottle, you threw anything, you're an idiot. And, and don't come back down to the link. There's just no time for that, no reason for that. But there was a couple different things that went into what happened on Sunday. First of all, it was 55 degrees outside. And anybody and everybody, I don't care if you're in college, you're a kid, you whatever, blah, blah, blah. You wanted to be in that area, even if you didn't have a ticket. Now, they were hoping Xfinity Live was going to be showing it on the big screen outside. The police asked them not to. The state police, everybody else said, please do not show the game on the big screen. So this way we can get this crowd to disperse. It didn't matter. So everybody was down there. But I will tell you, the biggest piece, the biggest factor for me and what happened on Sunday as far as dealing with the Vikings fans, and we're talking about a small percentage of Eagles fans acting out being idiots, um, was the fact that they went up to the, the, the Art Museum steps and, and it's just like, that's not a big deal. I'm with you. I don't think that's a big deal. But for people that have been sitting around drinking all day, looking on their phones and seeing this, and seeing that they did that, it's going to make you feel a certain type of way. So when you see a purple jersey, you're going to let them have it a little bit more. I'm telling you there's truth behind that. Got to give props to Brock on that because he's 100% right. And I think that had something to do with it. Look, I hung out with a couple Viking Vikings fans pregame. I interviewed one family. We're talking, having fun. Everything is fine, but like I said, when you see the videos of throwing bottles mm-hmm. and smashing them off the bus, even though I'm laughing right now, <laughs> that's uncalled for. You can't do that. we got to be better. But it was like kind of the perfect storm. It was the NFC Championship game. Everybody was fired up. Beautiful weather. And, oh, by the way, the Vikings came to the doorstep, took a pee on the doorstep, and then acted like the Eagles fans shouldn't do anything about it. And that was absolutely the wrong way to go about it. That's for sure. We have Sean Brace here from PhillyInfluencers.com. Yeah, I, I've been to a lot of road games. Eagles fans do the same thing, but we know that if it doesn't go, the game doesn't go our way, we're going to hear about it, and, and we take it. you got to take it. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's what it's called to be a fan. But, you know, listen, Sean, I am, I am as confident as you are. Um, you know, obviously, we'll see where I'm at next week when, when the anxiety starts to kick in and that game's five days away, four days away. But let me just ask you this. You've been around this town now for a while. 
if this team does it, if they, if they end this Super Bowl drought, what is this party going to be like? I don't even know. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. I just, you know, I just hope it stays calm to the point that there's no destruction of property. I, I just want that. That's all I care about. But I hope the party goes on for, for a week straight. I hope everybody calls out of work. Bars are filled up every single day. Just no destruction of property. We can't do that. We've got to be bigger than that, better than that. But, you know, you just look at what happened in 2008 in that World Series and how many people came down there on Halloween Day. Uh, I, I just expect it to be bigger and badder and just more electric. I, I really have no idea what to expect to tell you. But like I said, my biggest thing is everyone, no destruction of property. Please, we all got to do this the right way. Party for freaking five days straight. Is that not good enough? Why do you got to smash somebody's window? You know, what do they do? They're Eagles fans. Don't destroy property. That's my only take. But I just want to rage all week long. Believe me, I don't have anything on the schedule. And if they do get this done, look out. This town will be on fire. Hopefully not uh, literally. <laughs> it, it will be a lot of fun. You know, you look at this team, and, and like you said, they are they are a consummate team. It's why I think we're as confident as we are. You know, Brian Dawkins in one of those pump-up videos at the uh, PhiladelphiaEagles.com did said, this is the team that this city's been waiting for pretty much since that 04 team. Do you see that? Because you got these guys that are so likable. There's no egos. They're great personalities. And they just love being a they, – they love this city as much as we love them. Do you see that this is the team we've been waiting for? Well, I look at, I look at Carson Wentz first. And, and he's, just, he's just too perfect. You know, the guy, is, he was an MVP – he was the MVP until he got hurt. He had 33 touchdowns. He, he finally got beat out after three games he didn't play. Russell Wilson, you know, threw another touchdown over him, finished with 34. Uh, but he was definitely my MVP candidate, and he's just so perfect. I, I mean, you, you hope behind the scenes he is that guy. I believe he is that guy. I've only met him once, but you never know a person because I can tell you a story about Tim Tebow that would flip your brain. But <laughs> we all thought he was a saint. But I think it comes down to Carson Wentz and a guy like Doug Peterson. And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, these are the two guys that, you know, we're following right now. And Doug Peterson was a coach that nobody gave a chance at the beginning. Nobody did except for Jeffrey Lurie. And that's fine because that's how we are. That's how we are as sports fans. I don't care if the Eagles or we're talking about the Rams, we're talking about Cowboys, whatever. Bottom line is we're quick to judge. Doug Peterson didn't get a fair shake, so he's proven us wrong. Carson Wentz, it comes down to the guy is unbelievable. He plays the toughest position in all of sports. And you know what? He's a saint. This guy is unbelievable. I don't think I'd be able to leave my wife around him because she'd probably leave, him, leave me for him. That's how much that Carson Wentz is likable. So I think those are your two main factors. And this is the team that we've been waiting for because you know what? Winning cures all. So B-Doc knows that. And like I said, 15 wins this season. Absolutely incredible. Hey, Sean, where are you going to watch the game? Are you a bar guy? Are you someone who wants to be home alone with people? How, how do you intend to watch Super Bowl 52? And I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't know. I have <laughs> no idea what the hell's going on. I was supposed to be working. Now I'm not working. Now I might be working again. Who knows? But what I will say is I have to be somewhere with some gigantic TVs. So you're talking like Xfinity Live or you're talking like City Works up in King of Prussia, which is one of my favorite new spots. But i got to be able to hear the game. I have to be able to hear the announcers, got to be able to hear the calls, and I want to be with the people. Uh, maybe I don't want to be downtown in the city where everything's getting crazy, so I'm willing to stay on the outskirts with a little bit, but i got to be able to hear the calls. So I don't mind the bars. Just give me big screens and able to hear the call uh, without any problems, and I'm fine anywhere you put me. 
Sean, before I let you go, just want to give you a chance to let us know. What do you, what do you guys got going on over Philly Influencer or with your TV gig over at Fox this week? Anything fun and exciting? Oh, man. Fox is going to be stationed up Minnesota all week. so they're, they're And they got everybody. We're, t- we're talking Good Day with Jarek and Alex uh, to the sports. It's just going to be wall-to-wall coverage of Minnesota. Um, me, personally, I just started something new at PhillyAmster.com called PI Daily where I'm trying to – I just got this new software where it, it kind of takes going live another level up and it makes things easier as far as editing and cutting it down so you don't have to do it nine different ways. So I'm really looking forward to doing that on a daily basis, just giving you what's hitting me from the night before. Basically what I do on Fox, I'm able to do it now in the studio for com. So I'm looking forward to doing that daily and staying consistent with that and uh, and hopefully talking about an Eagles Super Bowl victory because I'll tell you, man, it's crazy how – this team and, and how far we've already gone, and now I didn't even know the Senior Bowl was this weekend. <laughs> I know. You know? Like, yeah. I was like, wait, that's this weekend? And, and, and I saw the buzzer beater last night, Ohio State, Penn State. Penn State is the buzzer beater. March Madness is a month away. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You, yeah. you lose so, t- so track of time here. Yes, it's fingers, and it's like, wait, well, what is going on? <laughs> like, the NFL draft will be here in, in, in a week. Or, like, you know, it's so bad. It's crazy, so. Uh, but this is great, man. And if we're able to talk about a Super Bowl victory, look out. You know, sky is just – we'll be floating in the air, that's for sure. Well, it, it is going to be an enjoyable week, guys. Make sure you get over to phillyinfluencer.com. Check out Sean. And, Sean, as always, man, really appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time. And we'll talk down the road, and hopefully we'll be uh, celebrating together somewhere. Love it, man. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for having me. Anytime you need me. And go, birds. Get it done. That was awesome. You know, he's, he's got so much passion. He's just like us, man. He's got so much passion about this team and everything. And it is just, this is what it does. This is what it does to the city. We are, we are such in this state of euphoria that nothing can bring us down. Nothing can bring us down. So as I said, you know, while we are in the studio, there is a chance. We are hoping, we are praying, with fingers are crossed, that Mike Quick Eagles legendary wide receiver and broadcast partner of Merrill Reese in the booth for 94.1 WIP. We'll call in to give us a little insight of what's going on in the NovaCare complex around the team and what it was like to call that game, what it was like to be a part of that. I mean, and I, I love the Merrill cam that they do when they post on YouTube after the games because you get to see the reactions of these guys. And part of being the the color commentator is to not step on the play-by-play guy's toes. And I think Mike does an excellent job of having his reactions be quiet and talking when it's his time to go. And he's right on cue with it. He's not behind. And I thought he did a really good job uh, throughout this game, especially in in the big moments. And I'm really, really, really excited to talk to him. So hopefully that can go down as well. But I want to get back. We were talking about some of the guys. We, 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 we talked about the fan base, and, and it is what it is, you know, and hopefully they uh, get over it here at some point and realize that they're not in the Super Bowl. The Eagles are in the deal, <laughs> the deal with it. But one guy we haven't talked about today, and we've talked about him this year, and he did get the accolades he deserved in, you know, what is it, front GM of the year, executive of the year, and that's Howie Rosen. Because all these guys we've mentioned, like Garrett Blunt touchdown, Alshon Jeffrey two touchdowns, Torrey Smith a touchdown, Chris Long fumble recovery, Patrick Robinson interception, Derek Barnett force fumble. They're all new. And they're all guys that Howie 
and Joe Douglas. Let's not forget Joe Douglas. Um, brought to us. These are guys that those two men pointed out in the offseason and said they're going to make our team better. And they were the major contributors, along with Nick Foles, who, by the way, was not on this team last year, back here. Okay, Last year, if this was last year and Carson Wentz goes down, we watched Chase Daniels. Or Daniel, whatever the hell his name is. His name is, I don't care what his name is because he's not here and I don't have to deal with him anymore. Because he stunk. <laughs> these, these were the contributors. And it was Howie. It was the guy that spent a year, not more than two years ago, in what is being compared to as the janitorial closet, who has come back, who has learned from, you know, I guess you could say his mistakes of the past. It was Listen, when he came back and got this job, he said that, the previous year before that was a major learning experience, not only about the job, but about himself. It was a gut check. It was an opportunity for him to sit back and reflect on what he had done and how things had gotten to this point. And damn it, if he's not making all the right calls now, he's doing everything that you need to do. I have just been enamored with his ability to, with a limited cap, make the signings you need to make. And then it's like he shot, he signs out Sean Jeffrey to a one-year deal, and you say, oh, man, well, we'll have to see what happens. And, you know, if he does, he's not good enough, blah, 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 blah. But he gets him to sign mid-season the extension. Now, Alshon could have went out after this and made more money than he signed for. But the culture that is built here because of the players Howie brings in and the way Doug leads them is keeping these guys here. I felt that that, that moment on the sideline where Alshon and Tori are talking to each other and it got picked up by one of the microphones for NFL Films where he's saying, this is why we came here, speaks volumes about this organization an organization that two or three years ago we thought was going way in the wrong direction thought that it had already gone too far and it was going to take a while for them to dig out Sean said it a minute ago we're very reactionary here we are quick to judge and it's okay that's what we do as fans but when we are wrong we have to own up and we were very reactionary to the hire of Doug Peterson. We were very reactionary to them allowing Howie Roseman back in the GM spot. We were very reactionary when Carson Wentz goes down and it's got to be Nick Foles. And I'm not, once again, not saying that to be negative, but we were wrong. We were wrong. And the people out there want to say, oh, I wasn't this and I wasn't that. Yes, you are. You were. You were. The only people who were not negative when some of these things happened were the ones that haven't been a part of this following, this cult-like following of this team for years and years and years. Because when you've invested yourself so much into this team, you become a little quicker to judge things than when you stand away. For example, and this isn't a knock on her, 
But my wife, when Carson Wentz went down, told me I got to hold faith and has said it all the way through. Why are you being so negative? It's not done yet. They still have to play. And I'm glad that she was like that. And I'm glad that she was positive. And I'm glad that she's had great feelings. But as I said to her, you haven't been as fully invested as me and the people that have been negative. We have seen this narrative before. We have seen this story play itself out. We've watched the other shoe drop and all hell break loose. We've watched Donovan McNabb go down for a season and Mike McMahon come in and quarterback. We've watched Donovan McNabb go down for most of a season, come back in the playoffs and and not choke, but not play well in the NFC Championship game. We've watched this team finally get over the hump, have every damn chance to win the Super Bowl in 05 and throw it away. And that's not to say that that's not going to happen here. Because it could. But it is hard to go optimistic first, pessimistic second with this Eagles team. Not this team in particular, but the franchise, the, the, the team that we've watched for all these years. And I say all these years for me. I mean, let's be honest. I'm 33. So what did I start watching football? Five, six, seven years old. Maybe really got into the Eagles 10, 11. So it's 23 years for me. There are men who have spent 60, 70 years watching this team. There are men who were my age in 1960, you know, 50 years ago, who were still watching this team waiting to feel a championship again. You know, I respect the hell out of the older generation of fans for any team. I respect the hell out of Millie. I thought that was such a cool story. You know, that that they stay with their teams for all these years just hoping for one day getting the chance to celebrate that championship. That's what sports is. That's what it is to people. You know, people want to judge the big sports fan and tell them there's, you know, more important things in life. And they're not wrong. There's... There's more important things in life. But sports is is this unbelievable love and relationship that if you are lucky enough to feel it, you know, it's one of those things. You know, you can't experience joy without pain. You can't experience pain without joy. And that's sports. Like, it, it makes the highest of highs seem great. It makes them seem the epitome. And that's why I love sports fans. That's why I love sports. It's, it's, for me, it's an escape a little bit too. And I'm not saying I want to escape my life. I like my life. I enjoy my life. But it's an escape from those things, you know, maybe you're working a job you're not in love with. And you get to escape from that for a few hours on a Sunday. Maybe you have some rough things going on that you just don't want to think about for a couple hours. You could turn to sports. And this Eagles team has done that for so many this year. This is the man that's brought to you by TSJSports.com. You could tweet us at TSJMadness anytime you want. Let's start filling up the mailbag a little bit. Hashtag TSJMadnessMailbag 
any questions, comments, concerns, sports-wise, otherwise, doesn't matter. Love to answer them on the air, uh, especially for next week's Super Bowl edition. Bring me all the questions, all the comments. If you are not on Twitter, get a Twitter and follow at TSJ Mandis. <laughs> Let's keep building this thing. Um, so I don't want to do the memorial of this season yet where we talk about all the memories of the season because I think I want to save that for after we win the Super Bowl next week and we have the jubilation of the Super Bowl episode and then we'll do our memories episode. But there are a couple times in this season that I look and I say, man, you know what? That was the turning point. That was the moment where you said, uh-oh, this team's pretty good. And it's not the 61-yard field goal. It's not that moment where they kick the field goal and you go, wow. The Eagles are pretty good. You know, I was actually at that moment where I'm like, uh-oh. What are we going to do? I mean, we just, the Giants aren't very good. We had a win on a 61-yard field goal. You know, how's the rest of this thing going to go? But there's a couple moments that, that stand out to me. And that's where I want to spend a little bit of time while we're waiting on hopefully getting Mike Quick on the air. Uh, doing as we get ready for the Super Bowl. Because like I said, next week I want to talk about the Super Bowl. I don't want to talk about it this week. That's what next week's for. And I'm hoping to line up some more great guests like the Sean Braces of the world and the Mike Quicks of the world and bring them on. And maybe some former players, maybe guys that have played in the league, maybe that had an opportunity playing the Super Bowl, maybe that didn't have the opportunity, but knew what it was like to fight for that week in and week out. So when you look at the Eagles schedule this year, you know, they, they win the game. They, they win the start of the season. They, they beat the Redskins, get that monkey off their back. By the way, how, how great of a moment is it when you think the Eagles started this season with a Gatorade bath for, for Doug Peterson for finally beating the Redskins and then the Gatorade bath to end it before the Super Bowl was just, was just incredible. So that was a great moment. And you thought, okay. All right, you know what? Carson's ready. This is going to be a good team. For me, one of the biggest things that I saw was in week four. The Eagles are 2-1. and one. They're coming off the 61-yard field goal. they got to travel all the way out to the West Coast. And they got to play the San Diego Chargers. Now, at the time, San Diego was 0-3. But they had lost every game by a field goal, and they were due to get a win. And, I mean, if you saw San Diego the rest of the way – they were a good football team that just missed out in the playoffs because of the first three losses of the season, really. The Eagles go out there, and they really play well for most of the game. Now, they, they gave up the lead late and had to hang on, but that was that was one of the most important things that I saw. Because in that game, they ran the football. And they killed the clock at the end of the game. And they were just burrowing down the throats of San Diego, who was thought to have had a pretty damn good defense. And it was at that point where I said, maybe Doug's not Andy. Maybe Doug will run. Coming off the heels of two weeks early going, here we go, Doug's Andy Reid. Can't run the football. He doesn't get the ball to blunt. They don't run the ball in the second half. But what happened was he adjusted. He adjusted. 
and he started running the football. So that was a moment for me. And I'm not even talking about the, the memories. Then there was the Carolina game, which I don't think anyone gave him a chance to win. I know I didn't. And they go into Carolina and just bully them. And I mean, the final score is 28-23, but they bullied Carolina in that game. And you start going, hmm, all right, this team's 5-1. Uh, and one. They're pretty good. You know, now they're home for three games. Let's see how these go. And they get the Redskins, and they beat the Redskins, and then they destroy the 49ers. And then they drop 51 points on the Denver Broncos. And now you're sitting here going, Eight and one. Wow. Then they go into Dallas, do what they need to do there. They come home, beat the Bears. And then the vaunted three-game road trip. And they lose to Seattle, and everybody is ready to just call quits on the season. The season's over, right? Oh, my God. Did you see how bad they looked? Their defense was terrible. They couldn't do anything against a good defense. What are they going to do when they play the Rams next week in L.A., blah, 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 blah. And all they did against the Rams was score. All they did against the Rams was score. All they did against the Rams was hang on. And the defense made plays when they should have. And then you're saying, but at that point, you know, we didn't we didn't focus on that Rams win. We were so devastated. And then obviously you go through the rest of the season and, and you're a little more concerned. And then the Vikings game last week. And we sit here. I, I just want to say the Philadelphia Eagles are playing in the Super Bowl in a week. They're playing in the Super Bowl in a week. It don't get much better than this. Well, you know, when you're trying to get big guests like we thought we had today with Mike Quick, sometimes things come up. These guys are so super busy. They have so much going on, and and things can derail them from from being able to come on the show. So, unfortunately, it does not look like we are going to be able to have Mike Quick today. Uh, I will stay in contact with him and maybe get him on you know, maybe next week or, or after the Super Bowl to, to celebrate a, a Super Bowl win. But, you know, that's going to probably do it for us this week. You know, we are still a week away from the Super Bowl, but we're almost through this first week. Uh, the excitement, it, it has been a great ride this week. It has been a ton of fun to be in this city and you wear your Eagle stuff and everybody's chanting, go birds at you and... You know, I, I was fortunate enough, I had taken a video of my daughter a couple weeks ago. Actually, not even, it was probably like last week. And, you know, I sent it to some family, and it's her singing the entire fight song, and she's she's two and a half, and she sings the whole song, and now she's got hand motions, and she, you know, does the Eagles chant at the end. And it got into a cousin's hand who has a lot of uh, friends at different affiliates around Philly in the TV world, and she so she sent it out, and... uh you know, we started getting texts this morning, unbeknownst to us, that she had made the news. Uh, we have it on the Twitter page, at TSJ Madness. So little little Ariana is is famous, and uh, I don't know, maybe I'll try and piggyback off of her <laughs> and, and, and bring some more fame my way. But I want to thank you guys for joining us today. I want you to thank you guys for downloading this podcast. Remember, you can go to podcasts.com. T.TheSportsJunkies101.com. You can go to iTunes. You can go to TuneIn. We, we are all over. Search TSJ Sports Radio. I uh, want to thank you for helping me continue to grow this podcast. Next week, next week, we will preview what we know is going to be an exciting week of Super Bowl hopes, 
Super Bowl dreams and hopefully, hopefully culminating with a Super Bowl title for Philadelphia. As always, I want to thank those guys over there at TSJSports.com for giving me the platform. Follow the Twitter page at TSJ Madness. Hashtag TSJ Madness Mailbag. Let's get the questions for next Super Bowl week. We're going to try and get a lot of guests for you. We're going to try and line them up. Have some fun with it. And hey, for right now, keep enjoying us for a couple days, but just like the team, next week is business. And with business comes madness. Embrace the madness, everybody. Have a good week. Talk to you next week.